Anime Nerd. Please subscribe to this podcast for weekly reviews on all of your favorite anime, manga, and games. See you soon. Hey, what's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's your host, Anime Nerd, and you already know what time of the week it is. This week, we're going to go ahead and do the chapter review of Promised Neverland, chapter 120, Formless Monster, and My Hero Academia, chapter 214, Our Rebellious War. Each chapter were equally good, I have to say. Um, definitely the things to be on the lookout for for Promised Neverland is this chapter. They're going to pretty much go over what exactly is a demon in the Promised Neverland world, which I found it to be pretty interesting in figuring it out. And it seemed pretty, pretty cool for the most part. And for the My Hero Academia one, this chapter is pretty much you're getting to the end of the joint training arc. So it's going to finally be an end of it. And, you know, I figure I'll give you guys my opinion of the whole thing before I go over the whole review of the joint training arc, or, well, this week's chapter of the joint training arc. So definitely stay tuned for that, and we will begin momentarily. All right. See you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go ahead and start off my weekly manga review with this podcast of Promise Neverland, chapter 120, Formless Monsters. So if you guys last remember, Norman was telling them, do they know exactly what the demon are and why they must eat human and pretty much end it there. So this chapter is going to go ahead in depth on what's going on with that. So... Right off the bat, um, of course, naturally, so the kids are shot. And like, what the demons are? Well, they're monsters, aren't they? Respond most of the kids. And naturally, so I agree with them. I'm like, well, they're monsters, aren't they? What do you mean? What else can they be? But the demons are actually more. And pretty much somebody in the crowd was pretty, well, not somebody, but Emma was thinking about how demons eat human and why must they eat human. So Norman began with his reasoning. He said, if they don't eat people, they can't sustain their appearance and shape. And if you guys think about it, in Promise Neverland, you, you, you can kind of see what he's talking about because you got the demons who are like humans or human-like, and then you got these like bottom-tier demons that are monsters and they just look all types of creepy and weird and all that good stuff along with it. So you got them, then you got pretty much the ones that are the monkey. If you remember that arc with that little one-eyed monkey, monkey-like thing. So it, it kind of makes sense. So normally going on and say that no one knows their original appearance. They were probably something like a bacteria. And over time, if you guys know bacteria eats mechanism, eat their hosts and whatnot. And eventually over time, these bacteria mutate and become a horizontal gene propagation horizontal gene propagation and if i'm saying this wrong guys please correct me i'm sorry um is where genes from other species incidentally cross over and are adopted by another so their evolution is similar to something like that so pretty much the bacteria aka the demons eat whatever they become and it gains their traits 
for the most part. So whenever they eat, they involve, uh, they are involving. Uh, Ray go on, well not Ray, but Norman goes on and state that they take on the genes of what they eaten and inherit this trait, like I said earlier. If they eat insects, they become like insects. If they eat fish, they become like fish. And you guys get the gist of it. So pretty much whatever they eat, they become certain stuff and they evolve into all kinds of forms. So they become mutated forms of those creatures. In Promised Neverland, you probably see a lot of them. I think we saw a weird deer. Did we see a weird deer in Promised Neverland? I'm thinking of a different show. I might be thinking of a different show. But anyway, we're going to keep going right along ahead to it. So pretty much... The reason why they eat human is they take on the shape of human as well as their advanced intellect. They acquire language and culture. Human were the number one food source for them. Naturally so because they want to be smart. And if you eat humans, you're going to get the intellect or stuff like that. That's it. That explains why Emma and them is in a special farm that build them with their brain power and test them because they're number one delicacy and they can keep the human and become smarter with it. And usually it's like a higher hierarchy for for the most part if you think about it you got the rich aka being like the ones that owns the the human slave camp and they train them to be stuff and they can buy food like the best crop of it because the smarter they are the better the crop the dumber you are then it's just one of those type of mass production like how we have the chickens and so and so the most part is the demons want to harvest the smart ones so they can stay smart and so, like, the harvest mass-produced one to the regular demons just so they can keep the human form, but they still become workers. They're not going to become higher tier because they're not eating the best of the best for the most part. But going on into it, um, as I saying, Norman said, before long, the demons surpassed human and became their natural enemies over time. So that makes sense. After evolving at an outstanding rate and transforming, they developed into apex predators and humans became afraid of them. Demon, monster, devil, gods, they were called many different things. But they are still living beings. Their specialty characteristics aren't always advantage for them because there's a price to pay for evolving too quickly. So now we're going to get into what is the price that they have to pay for evolving too quickly and that sort of nature. So... Norman goes on and said um, they have a unique difference, and because they do not have an original form to return to, they need to continue eating to be able to keep their traits they inherit. So what I'm getting from this chapter is pretty much if they don't be if they don't eat human food, that they'll eventually divert or revert back into whatever those things call. And that's the reason why they have to eat human, because eventually they lose start losing their form. And so so I like how Promise Neverland gave them, gave the demons, seem like at first they're unstoppable, but there's a reason why they got to eat where they got to eat because over time, something's going to happen to them if they don't keep up with their feeding process. Um, and then, so demon eat human because otherwise they will lose their form as well as their intellect. Once they knew how the taste of human and their form are and intelligent, they desired to continue to eat human even after the promise was forged. This is the true identity of the demon. So pretty much, there you go. There you go. Have it. Norman finishing up, telling them what the demons are really are. Of course, 
couple people were shocked. People was like evolution through eating, just by eating. Yeah, that sounds kind of crazy too, that they're just, just by eating, they evolve. Shoot, if we can eat just some healthy food and then we get our abs and stomach, hey, sign me up. I'll be all for it. But of course, that's by eating healthy food, not saying eating donuts and stuff like that that I love. Anyway, so, but then Norman began to um, say what his main purpose was. Um, well, was, he was pretty much just going and talking what his true attention was. He was like, but that being the case, whether it's good or bad traits, their genetic pr- blueprint is consistently being rewritten. They are extremely unstable beings, so that's why if we destroy the plantation, the demons will perish uh, for the most part. And so, all of course, naturally, everybody was like perish, and so just by destroying farms. And so, Emma asked Norman, like, if we destroy the plantation, the demons will become like the wild ones we've seen. So, that's why Norman destroying the farms. Yeah, they're pretty much for the most part. And the wild ones, if they could kill the wild ones, it might be a lot more easy than killing the super smart ones with abilities. And so, because you know, the smart ones with abilities, it's going to be 10 times tougher to fight than someone with a regular regular ability. Anyway, for the most part. Uh, so it goes on a little bit more. I'm not going to go in far and too in-depth anymore because I want you guys to pretty much read it for your most part. But normally goes talk about that Zazie, um, the one of his henchmen, or Norman henchmen, I guess, uh, was born in Lombada. That's the place where Norman and Adam were at. And that's where they do experiments and giving people all types of abilities and so. And the five, and then Norman said, the five Norman um, noble demon families and the Rotary clan joined first with the possible method, those choose to use any necessary method. So pretty much they are trying to experiment to figure out a way to save the demons. And, you know, the Rotary clan is the clan that get, made the alignment with the demons in the human world, kind of separating the two and so on and so forth. And so everybody pretty much uh, surprised with that. Nothing too serious to go on to explain about in that chapter. There's more useless talking to that point of the demons. But for you guys, how you want to know how the chapter ends, though, it was like hunting. So Norman proposed a plan that um, the Neverland will be over soon, that hunting demons to extinction. Let's create a paradise for us, cattle, children, and the demon world. And that's pretty much how it ends right there. I, for one, think Norman Plan might actually succeed only because that's actually a legit reason. Instead of escaping, why not go ahead and destroy all of the demons and create a new world? But the only problem that I see is what's going to happen to those, to the, all the wildlife and so and how they're going to eat and stuff like that. But we'll see. Like I said, these kids are not no normal kids after all. They are pretty much geniuses in their own right. So we'll see from then. But you guys tell me what you guys think of the Promised Neverland Chapter 120 on um, Formless Monsters. Me, personally, I enjoyed it. So, hey, hopefully you guys you guys enjoyed it too. But, all right, stay tuned for My Hero Academia. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's go ahead and finish off this weekly manga review podcast. So, 
My Hero Academia Chapter 214, Our Rebellious War. So, if you guys last remember, pretty much Deku was about to go fight Shinso. Shinso. So, that's how it kind of ends. And this chapter picks up with the three teachers. You got Black King, you got Eraserhead, and then you got All Might looking at everything. So, Black King was like, continue. Midori just now was clearly acting out of control for the most part. Um, All Might didn't really say nothing, but say Aizawa, which is Eraserhead's real name. But Eraserhead responded to them saying, because they still have some fight in them, both Midori and Shinso. And matter of fact, they all still wanted to fight. So in this chapter, you got to see everybody facing off. This is pretty much, I wouldn't say it's the finale, but this is leading up to the grand finale of this chapter, well, of this series of the Joint Art Act. I believe this is the last fight. I don't think there's nobody else waiting for them. As I said earlier, mentioned earlier, so let's go ahead into it. Uh, so Black King said, you got quite the soft spot for them, huh? And um, to Eraserhead, and Eraserhead was like, I guess so. And then it goes, the scene switched over to Senso, who's actually, what I just realized, was using the same thing that Eraserhead used, like with the bandage and so, and everything. And all this time, I just thought, even though Eraserhead power was erasing, that that little whatever you want to call it, wraps or whatever thing, was like a, a Racerhead trademark. But in all honesty, that was like something that technically any hero can get if they need to. But it's like it works well for Eraserhead ability to me because Eraserhead ability is once you get a hold of that person, he can easily wrap them and look into their eyes and take their quirk away. Or even... Once he take away the quirk, he can easily wrap him. That's why I think a race ahead is a deadly opponent. And if you guys haven't, I know this is sidetracking, but if you guys haven't, I did make a YouTube video. And go please check me out, Anime Nerd, of course. And I'm going to post a link on this podcast as well. This podcast will be... Nah, nah. I'm just going to leave my reviews onto this podcast. And if you want to see my anime, my version of the top 10 quirks, in my hero academia thus far please check out the youtube page but anyway we're gonna go ahead into it so since was using the little rap thing and managed to get a hold of midoriya and started um swinging him around you um and then ultra ochacho however you say the name is like you lost your power decacon is and then Interrupted by Midoriya, he said, I might uh, be exposed to everyone to danger again. I might expose everyone to danger. Ugh, what's going on with me? And in my current state, I can't use my quirk. Then let's retreat for the moment so we can get rude. And then that's what Chacho said, but then Deku said, if he retreat, we'll lose. So Deku made his determination to go ahead and fight Shinzo Quirkless for the most part. And everything. So Deku asked uh, Ochacho uh, for a favor, and she responded yes. And then the scene switched over to the rest of Team Deku. I'm just gonna call him Team Deku. Uh, so the scene switched over to the rest of Team Deku, who was also in the fight as well. I believe you see Mina, 
Mina Aceto. Is that the acid girl name? I believe so. So you see Mina Aceto over there throwing her little uh, acid shot and everything like that. Um, she said this is going to sting a little bit, which is kind of funny. And she was fighting the kind of hefty guy from from Class 1B. And they were all the fight was a pretty good fight for the most part. Then you see during the fight, you see our favorite, favorite little small little pervert, Mineta. Mineta. This guy is funny, honestly. I ain't gonna lie. I like Mineta. But you see Mineta kind of blocking it, trying to help save her. And Mineta um was doing his part and everything. So the fight kind of goes all out on it, and everybody watching around. And so and then it kind of pans out to the crowd who's watching it. And you say, even though Manetta and Cito are outnumbered, they're putting up a good fight. And if Manetta can hone in on the right spot, Cito can handle the rest. And then I think these guys from class, yeah, these are guys from class 1B. And 1B, they say the others aren't good at close combat. So should has Shota has to do the work while protecting them. The odds are in their favor but they still can't fight against them. So now we know that technically, I think he was really mentioning to them that they realized that the others ain't really close to hand-to-hand combat. They're more projectile users. So they need to um, work on closing in for the most part, but those are like kind of like side conversation, really nothing to take advantage of. Um, I, I wanted to know in this chapter, which they didn't show right away what Midoriya was going to ask, ask Ochacho to do. But for the most part, you can, I guess you can just keep it going, I guess. I don't know what you want to say about that. Anyway, <laughs> we're going to keep going on, moving on to what's going on in the fight. So, wow. The scene returned back to Ochato and Deku, and Deku and them was uh, getting ready to attack Shinso, and that's when, what's his name? Dang, I forgot this guy's name. Is it uh, Minoru? No, Mo- Monoma. Duh, how I can forget. That's when Monoma decided to come in and hop in and decided to take the fight and was fighting them. He's like, you can't be strong, strong by yourself. I can never be the main hero and all that other stuff. And then you got to see, because pretty much Monoma got all for one power and he was going to use it against, pretty much use it against Deku, which was pretty interesting. Which I don't remember how did he get his power. Did he touch it or not? So I, I really don't remember for the most part. I Sorry, guys. like For the life of me, I can't remember. But you see that he got his power. And he was like, who goes against the main guy? I've got your power. I'm no longer a side character. And Deku kind of shot one for all, no way. And then, um, but Ochacho came in and then she was like, and of course, Midori was trying to stop her talk about, wait, Momoka and it's dangerous. And he was saying it's too late. But let me tell you something. Ochato is not one to be messed with. I'm telling you guys right now, this girl is bad. She's a bad girl. I can't say it like how Stephen A. used it on 
Aaron Rodgers. Like, he's a bad man. But, hey, look, she's a bad girl. That little gun, grand martial arts that she put and putting him pretty much on his ass. Uh, um, and then pretty much Ochacha said, it's not Deku's power. It's a bluff. Go. So he was bluffing. And pretty much he's on the sideline wrapped around. And then Deku jumps up and trying to find Shinso with a quirkless power, which is technically, truthfully, an equal match. Because if you think about it, if Deku used one for all, and on Shinzo, it will be a, technically a wrap because Shinzo's ability is pretty much taking and controlling that person. But I truthfully don't even understand his ability. But he don't have super strength or anything. That that's why he used that little wrap that uh, Eraserhead used. And both of them were kind of duking it out. And then you kind of pan back to what Deku was saying. So like he was like, oh, "Yoraka son, use zero gravity on me. I'll plunge." myself towards Senso chest and then that's when they release then she released it and then you see Deku and them fighting it and Senso was like seemed like the last time we've been able to go against each other was during the sports festival where he lost sight of the battleship you're the main threat Senso's kind that's what Deku said and then Senso was saying pretty much other stuff along the way and then you get a flashback Kind of like where you see uh, a razor head and Sunzo training, and which was kind of strange to me. So it was lead me to think that Sunzo is going to class A because a razor head is his teacher, and for the most part, it it will make sense for him to go to that for the most part. But you never know, and so pretty much in the flashback. You hear, you see uh, a race ahead say, uh, you need to learn how to deal with things alone. Otherwise, you'll get killed. People like you and I, uh, pretty much he's saying that people like him and I don't really have powers like that where they can be able to uh, power their way through because their there are, are quirks aren't, I wouldn't necessarily say hero-like, but they're not really, how should I say it? I don't even know. I don't even know how to say it. They're not really one of those type of heroes that you would think. They're more like a sidekick type power. Sorry to say that, but that's how I feel about it. Um, But yeah, so you seem like you got to pretty much learn how to use use other weapons, those little master technique of that little wrap claw thing because his skills isn't the type of skills that you can necessarily take down a bad guy with by yourself. Unless you have something else extra. Anyway, so the scene goes and flip back. And you see Midoriya kind of thinking in his head. And he was saying, what's happening all of a sudden? I can't escape the strange feeling and worries I had this morning had dissipated. What is essential to the control? What into your heart? Kind of remember what the old guy was saying. This aura that the person had in his tone. Various aspects of him reminded me of All Might. Uh, so then all of a sudden, not someone who spends time doing unless things. And then all of a sudden, you see, I was not back, the Midoriya who I was back then, pretty much. And Midoriya automatically whipped out his new technique. And that's how the chapter ends, for the most part. And I believe, like I said, this chapter is going to be coming to a close 
the joint arc going to be coming to close. It's kind of crazy to see Midoriya already using that skill. I didn't expect him to use it right away, but it looked like he's already using it, and it looked like he might be able to have control of it right away. I don't know. Give or take. We'll see. But who knows? But anyway, that's it for this chapter. Um, tell me what you thought about this chapter. All right. And, oh, of course, guys, follow me on YouTube. Please follow me on YouTube. Uh, I'm going to make another little podcast on this one saying follow my YouTube page. Follow, follow, follow. And that's much it. But until then, take it easy, guys. Peace.